وَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْكُمْ And there is no blame upon you. فِيمَا عَرَّدْتُمْ بِهِ مِنْ خِطُبَةِ النِّسَاءِ The Muslim men are being addressed. That all Muslim men, there is no blame upon you for that to which you indirectly allude concerning a proposal to women. فِيمَا عَرَّدْتُمْ بِهِ عَرَّدْتُمْ is from the root letters عَيْنْ رَضَادْ And عَرَّضَ is to indirectly present something. عَرْض is to present something. To show something, to reveal it. But arrada is to indirectly. Okay? Indirectly show something. So it's like hint to it, allude to it indirectly. Okay? So there is no blame upon you, O Muslim men, if you indirectly express your wish of what? Min khitubatin nisa. Of proposal to women. Which women? The widows. Khitba is from the root letters khataba. And khitbah is used for engagement, okay? But it's also used for proposal, marriage proposal. When a man sends a proposal to the woman, showing his interest in getting married to her. So, there is no blame upon you if you indirectly show your interest in getting married to the widow. When? During her waiting period. Okay? During the waiting period, can a man directly, openly, clearly propose to the widow? Can he? No. But can he hint in indirect words? Yeah? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. So for example, the man, you know, he sees that there is a woman and she is a widow and she has young children, little children. You know, if she goes on to work, then her children will be neglected. And this man, he is not married. Let's say he's of similar age, of older. He got divorced. He doesn't have children of his own. Or he just didn't get married for very long. Whatever the situation is of the man. Okay? But he feels pity for that woman. He feels pity for those children. Let's say he is her dead husband's friend or relative or an acquaintance. So he feels bad for them. And he feels that, you know, I am interested in getting married. Might as well get married to her, you know, so that she has a family, her children also have some support. Right? And he thinks that that woman is decent. But he knows that she's going through a very hard time. Yes, technically he has to wait for four months and ten days before proposing to her. But if before that he feels that if an indirect hint is given to her, perhaps it will comfort her, that she will still have a home, you know, her children will still have someone to look after them. Right? So he feels the need to indirectly send a message to her. Can he do that? Yes, he can. Min khitbatin nisa. He can do that. So for example, he says, you know, he goes to visit the family. She's there. Her brother's there. He was a close friend. So he goes for condolence. And he says, inshallah, Allah will provide these children a good father. Okay? He could do that. Okay? Likewise, he could say that, inshallah, Allah will give you someone better. You know, inshallah, Allah will compensate for your loss in some good way. Um, or he can send a message through his sister or whatever that, you know, my brother is looking to get married, by the way. Just by the way thing. Not like, would you be interested? No. Okay? Such a message can be given. What's the urgency about? Can't he just wait until their idda is over? Like I mentioned to you, it might help her. It might help her to know that, okay, there are other people who care for her, who care for her children, okay, it might help her heal. 
it might help her deal with her problems. Okay? And on the other hand, the man might feel, oh, what if she gets married to somebody else? I want to marry her. But if I wait until four months and ten days, what if on the tenth day I don't remember and somebody else sends a proposal to her and she gets married? So I might lose her. Okay? So he sends the proposal, or he mentions it how indirectly, not in clear words at all. Because it's alwattum. Alright? أَوْ أَكْنَنْتُمْ فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ Or you conceal it completely in yourselves. أَكْنَنْتُمْ from كَافْ نُونُونَ كَنْ is to keep something hidden, to not let it be exposed, to keep something at a secure place. So, أَكْنَنْتُمْ فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ Meaning you keep that wish, that intention of sending a proposal to her in your heart. You don't express it directly or indirectly. There's no harm. You can do either. You have the choice. If you can wait, you can hold on, go ahead, wait. But if you think that, no, you have to get the message to her somehow, then you may only do so in indirect terms. Can you think of an incident where this happened? That indirectly a proposal was given to a woman in her idda? Hmm? Um Salama, radiallahu anha. When her husband passed away, the Prophet ﷺ, he came to offer his condolences and he said that, uh, you say, Allahumma ajirni fi musibati wa akhlifi khayram minha. That, oh Allah, uh, reward me for this musibah of mine and give me something better. So, Um Salama, she said that I thought to myself, who could be better than Abu Salama? Who could be better than him? But what happened? When her idda was over, the best man, he sent a proposal to her. And who was he? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And she accepted. Alright? So, this shows that a widow can get married again. She can easily get married again. There is no sin in such a marriage, there is nothing wrong in such a marriage. Because unfortunately, in many cultures, and I have to say Muslim societies, Muslim cultures, it's unheard of almost that a widow gets married. A girl may be very young. If her husband passes away, that's it. For the rest of her life, she's going to remain single. She has to look after her kids all by herself. She's a beautiful woman. She wants to be married. She would like to have company. But she's not allowed. It's not even considered. It's not even considered. And if she even mentions, she expresses her wish to get married again, people think, oh, she's so shameless. She doesn't have any haya. Look at her. She wants to get married when her husband died. Well, you know what? That relationship is over now. This is why she sat for her idda. And she is free to marry somebody else. There is no blame upon that. If you think about it, the Prophet ﷺ, most of the women that he got married to, who were they? Widows. His first wife, Khadija anha. Who was she? A widow. So there is no harm in that at all. Umar anhu, when his daughter Hafsa anha, when her husband passed away, he was concerned about her. So the Prophet ﷺ married her. There is no harm in that at all. So, أَوْ أَكْنَنْتُمْ فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ Allah says, عَلِمَ اللَّهُ Allah knows, أَنَّكُمْ سَتَذْكُرُونَهُنَّ That you will definitely mention them, you will definitely think about them. That if you have the desire to marry a woman, and she's sitting in her idda, Allah knows that you want to marry her, and you can't keep that wish concealed in your heart for four months and ten days. You know when you want to do something, you have an idea, you have this wish, can you keep it to yourself? Can you? You can't. 
You know, like some people say, this person, they can't keep anything to themselves. They have to let it out. Even if it's a small thing that they have to do, you intend to go to the grocery store tomorrow. You will mention it to your husband. By the way, your sister, by the way. Does it have anything to do with them? Nothing. You have to go shopping. You have to go to your friend's house, but you keep telling everybody. You post it on Twitter, you post it on Facebook. Why? You can't keep it to yourself. You have to let it out. So Allah knows that you will remember those women. سَتَذْكُرُونَهُنَّ And this dhikr, this will be in the heart. This might be on the tongue even. So you can mention the khitbah to nisa you can mention the proposal, but how? Indirectly. وَلَكِنْ بَتْ لَا تُوَاعِدُوهُنَّ سِرَّا Do not promise them in secret. تُوَاعِدُوا From وَاعَيْن دَال Promise. Don't go on making sir, secret promises with those women. That you talk to her over the phone or you send her an email and you write confidential and you say, Sister, I'm very sorry about your loss. But by the way, I am interested in marrying you. So please consider me. You know, after your idda is over, let me know so that we can make the arrangements and I promise I will marry you. Allah says, no. لا توعدوهن سرًا Secretly. Notice how sir is mentioned. Because nobody would dare to do this publicly. Right? So Allah says, don't go to the widow and talk to her secretly about these matters and promise them. Why? Why? Yes. Yes. She might be very hopeful. And when their idda is over, you think, oh no, she has children. I don't think I can deal with children. You change your mind. And then again, her wishes, her dream marriage is all shattered. Everything. Exactly, it shows disrespect to her. She's sitting in her idda. She's mourning the death of her husband. And here you come, asking her for her hand in marriage secretly. This is not fair. She might be disgusted. Yes, that what are you talking about? I'm still in mourning and here you are, you know, expressing your wish to marry me. Go away. Don't even talk to me. Right? So she might not feel good about it. So it's not good for you, not good for her. لا تُوَعِدُوهُنَّ سِرَّةً إِلَّا أَن تَقُولُوا قَوْلًا مَعْرُوفًا Except that you say a ma'roof statement. قَوْلًا مَعْرُوفًا قَوْلْ قَافْ And ma'roof, you know about this. So قَوْلًا مَعْرُوفًا Saying a ma'roof statement, that is permissible. So for example, you say to the wali that please let me know when her idda is over. Okay? Or that you say to her, please let me know when your idda is over. So that she knows that there's something in this person's mind. Or the wali knows that there's something in this man's mind. You may say, a qawla ma'rufa. وَلَا تَعْزِمُوا عُقْدَةَ nikah, And do not resolve, do not determine to have the tie of nikah. تَعْزِمُوا from عَزْمْ عَيْن زَايْمِيم And what does عَزْمْ mean? Firm resolve, determination to do something. And once you make up your mind to do something, what happens after? The action. Right? عَزْمْ is followed by action. So لا تعزموا, do not even intend to do what? عقدة النكاح The عقدة meaning the tie, the knot, the contract of marriage. When? During the idda. Don't even think about having the nikah in that idda. And obviously don't even do the nikah in the idda. But let's say a man and woman do get married in the woman's idda. Then what will happen? Then what will happen? That nikah is not valid. It is not valid. It will not be considered a nikah even. 
And when it is found out, those two individuals, they got married when the woman was in Idda, whether it was by accident or it was out of ignorance, then those two will be separated. And if they wish to get married, then they have to do proper nikah after the woman's idda is complete. Okay? After the woman's idda is complete. I read a fatwa recently that this person had asked a question about this man and woman who got married when the woman was sitting in her idda. She was technically in her idda, but she got married to someone before their idda was over. And they have been married for 30 years like that. Imagine. So they found out that what they did was wrong after 30 years. So what's to be done? The fatwa was that they have to be separated. And they have to perform the proper nikah. So yes, mistakes might happen out of ignorance. The woman may think that, oh, my idda is over out of mistake, but her idda was not actually over. There was a miscalculation. Okay? So... In that case, the nikah will be performed again. Some scholars actually have said that those two individuals will not be allowed to get married even. But other scholars have permitted it because it happened out of ignorance. So when there is nothing clearly prohibiting it, then we cannot prohibit that. When it comes to sending the proposal indirectly, it can be sent by the family, it can be sent by the man himself, but... Whoever mentions to the woman will say it in indirect terms. Even if it's mentioned to her wali, it will be said in indirect terms. Okay? Yes. The four months and ten days are the lunar months and days. Okay? So, وَلَا تَعْزِمُوا عُقْدَةَ النِّكَاحِ حَتَّى يَبْلُغَ الْكِتَابُ أَجَلَهِ Until the kitab reaches its ajal. What is kitab? Kitab, we generally think of it as kitab meaning book. But kitab, remember, in the Arabic language means maktub, that which is written or that which is ordained. Okay? So over here, kitab does not mean book. What does it mean? That which is ordained. And it refers to the waiting period. Because the waiting period is something that is fard. You know, just as we learned, kutiba alaykum. Doesn't mean that fasting is actually written on you, like on your body, that you have to fast. No, it means kutiba meaning prescribed on you. Okay, so kitab meaning prescription, that which has been ordained by Allah and it refers to the idda. So don't get married, don't even resolve to get married until the waiting period is over. وَعْلَمُوا and know أَنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْلَمُ مَا فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ That indeed Allah knows about what is in yourselves, in your hearts. فَحْذَرُوهُ So fear Him. Allah knows about the thoughts that you're entertaining in your hearts, the feelings that you have, the intention that you have. Allah knows about that. So even if other people don't find out about what you're concealing in your heart, who knows? Allah knows. So fear Him. فَحْذَرُوهُ Why is this mentioned over here? Because a man and woman may secretly get married, okay, even before their idda is over. They hide it from the rest of the people. They are deliberately making that mistake and in the heart is khiyana. So Allah says that I know what is in your heart. فَحْذَرُوهُ So fear Allah. And فَحْذَرُوهُ from هَذَا الْرَأْ حِذْرِ is to be cautious, to be careful, to fear something and try to keep oneself safe from it. So for example, you are afraid of catching an infection. Okay, so what do you do? You become very cautious. You wash your hands. You don't touch other people. People who are infected, you don't even go close to them. Right? So this is حِذْرِ, you're taking your precaution. 
So فَحْذَرُوهُ Fear Allah. Meaning stay away from those things that bring you closer to His punishment. Stay away from those things that bring you closer to His punishment. So, in other words, don't violate the commands of Allah even a little bit. The rules that He has said, don't disobey them, don't go against them, even in the slightest way. So for example, four months and ten days, don't even think about four months and nine days. And on the ninth day you do nikah. No. فَحْذَرُوهُ Be cautious of him. وَعْلَمُوا And know that أَنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ حَلِيمٌ That indeed Allah is forgiving. And He is حَلِيم حَلِيم from حِلْم Forbearance, tolerance. To have the ability to take revenge, to execute punishment, but to decide not to. That you know that someone is doing something wrong, you have the power to stop them, you have the power to punish them, but you decide that you're not going to. This is حِلْم So Allah is Halim that we do so many wrong things, but yet Allah does not punish us immediately. He gives us time to realize our mistake, to turn back. So if you notice over here, Allah tells us to fear Him because He knows what's in our hearts. And at the same time He tells us that He is Ghafoorun Halim. So don't be afraid you know, to the point that you become panic all the time and you don't even do anything because you're afraid you might do something wrong. No. Allah is forgiving and forbearing. So be hopeful of the mercy of Allah as well. But this teaches us a very important lesson. When it comes to what is in our hearts, our feelings, our thoughts, our desires, our intentions, many times they become uncontrollable. Isn't it so? You can't control them. What you want to do with your hands, can you stop yourself? Yes, you can. You want to smack somebody, but then you're like, no, I can't. So you keep your hand back. You want to punch somebody, you want to pinch someone, you want to write something on the computer, but what do you do? You hold your hands back. But when it comes to your thoughts, your feelings, your desires, can you just press a button and go off? Can you do that? So for example, if a person has a crush on somebody and they're like thinking about them. Every time they're mentioned, all of a sudden, you know, they have those feelings in their heart and their name is mentioned and you're like, ooh. (laughs) They're real feelings, right? You are a young girl sitting in front of me who live in this world and I know this happens. So there are feelings in your heart that yes, you don't have control over them. But a person must remember that who knows? Allah knows. My mom may have no idea that I like that guy. My dad has no idea that I like that person who's working at his workplace. You know, people may have no idea whatsoever that you are interested in the guy next door and the person who goes to school with you, the person who takes the bus with you. People have no idea. Parents have no idea. But who knows? Allah knows. So who should we fear? Allah. Allah does not approve of this. These feelings will come. Okay? But we cannot act on them. So, okay, you feel that you are attracted to a particular guy, but don't go on talking to him without any reason. Okay? Don't go on telling your sister and your friend, oh, you know, by the way, that guy, I really like him. Don't say that. Because once you say it, once you write it, once you do it, then you're held accountable. Then you're held accountable. 
as long as it's in your heart and you're fighting it, you're suppressing it, inshallah, Allah is ghafoorun halim. But the moment you say it, the moment you act on that feeling, then you will be held accountable. You know, like the first gaze, you're forgiven. But if you look again, that's wrong. Yes. Is it okay in that situation to make dua? Of course. That in this situation, you ask Allah, Ya Allah, please help me. This is not right. And if this is good for me, you know, if something has to happen as a result of this, let it happen and please keep me clean. Keep my heart clean. Keep my relationship clean. Don't let me do anything wrong. Ask Allah for help. And the more you strive to control your feelings, the more you fight them, the more reward you get. The more reward you get. So, فَحْذَرُوهُ Fear Allah because He knows what's in your heart. But, Fight those feelings, control them as much as possible and ask Allah for His help and do istighfar. Do istighfar as well. But don't say it. Don't do it. Don't express it. Okay? And this is not just about desires, but it could also be like you feel jealousy against someone. Okay? You don't like the fact that your friend has an iPhone or you don't like the fact that your friend is married and you're still not married. I mean, you have that feeling. You feel that jealousy. Then again, don't say it. Don't act on it. Don't express it at all. Keep it in your heart and ask Allah to clean your heart. Allahumma tahir qalbi. Tahir qalbi. Clean my heart. Purify my heart. Okay? Because once you express it, then it will lead to backbiting, it will lead to slander, it will lead to gossip, it will lead to many wrong things. Okay? Okay. Let's listen to the recitation. وَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِيمَا عَرَّضْتُمْ بِهِ مِنْ خِطَبَةِ النِّسَاءِ أَوْ أَكْنَنْتُمْ فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ عَلِمَ اللَّهُ أَنَّكُمْ سَتَذْكُرُونَهُنَّ وَلَكِنْ لَا تُوَاعِدُوهُنَّ سِرًّا إِلَّا إِلَّا أَن تَقُولُوا قَوْلًا مَعْرُوفًا وَلَا تَعْزِمُوا عُقَدَةَ النِّكَاحِ حَتَّى يَبْلُغَ الْكِتَابُ أَجَلَهُ وَاعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْلَمُ مَا فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ فَاحْذَرُوهُ وَاعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ حَلِيمٌ Now, the rules and regulations of Iddah that I mentioned to you, remember that they apply to the widow, but also to the divorced woman. Which divorced woman? Not the one who is given rajri divorce, revocable divorce, because in revocable divorce, where is she? In the house of her husband. So it's a different scenario. But it is irrevocable divorce, or it is the woman who has taken khulah. Okay, because she's spending their idda by herself. So during that time, she will not get married to somebody, nor will she receive any proposals, but an indirect proposal may be sent to her. Okay, remember this please. This also applies to who? The woman who has been given irrevocable divorce, talaqul ba'in, and the woman who took khula. So these rules also apply to her. Now, remember that when a man and woman, when they get married, there are certain things that have to be present at the time of nikah, for the nikah to be valid. Okay. First of all, the woman's wali. He has to be there. Without the wali, the woman cannot get married. What else is necessary? Yes? Witnesses. Witnesses also have to be there to witness the 
contract of nikah. What else has to be there? Yes. Okay, the contract, the wording, like the wali says that I give you my daughter in marriage and the man says, I accept. Okay? Or the girl is asked, are you okay with this marriage? And she says, yes, I am. I accept, I agree. Okay? So the wordings of nikah, the ijab and qubul. One more thing that's necessary for nikah to be valid, the mahr. What is the mahr? We discussed it earlier. It is the gift that the man gives to the woman. By the way, there is no concept of jahiz. Okay? Many of you have heard of this word. Others have no idea what I just said. This is basically a cultural practice in Pakistani Indian culture. When a woman gets married, she brings to the house of her husband a lot of stuff. Okay? And it's like said as a condition that at the time of marriage, that when the nikah takes place, she has to bring 20 bed sheets and 20 bags of this and 10 bags of this and a gift for so and so and this much jewelry. And if you don't bring this much, sorry, we will not accept you. In Islam, it's completely opposite. The woman, she has the right to bring nothing. Nothing at all. Not even a towel. Not even a piece of jewelry. Not even, you know, a hairbrush. She doesn't have to. She can come literally empty-handed in the house of her husband. And who is supposed to give her everything? The husband. Okay? The husband has to provide for her. And not just provide for her, but at the time of nikah especially, he has to give a bridal gift. A gift which is known as the mahr. How much is the mahr supposed to be? What is the mahr? Does it have to be cash? No, it can be whatever the man can afford to give. It could be a house. It could be a car, it could be a piece of jewelry, it could be cash, it could be dishes, it could be her school fees. Okay, like she says, I have to complete my university degree. He says, okay, your mahar is that I pay for all of your fees. You know, two years that you have left, I'll take care of them. That's your mahar. Yes? It has to be agreed upon. Sometimes it happens that the father, the wali, he will put a, a price tag that you can only get married to my daughter if you give her a hundred thousand riyal, if you give her a hundred thousand dollars. Otherwise, no way. People can't even afford to spend that much money on themselves. How can they afford to give that as mahar? Right? So you can't demand, but definitely the woman has to be happy with that mahar. She has to agree to it. Okay? And if a man cannot afford anything at all, and if he offers to teach the woman some knowledge, and the woman is okay with that, even that is acceptable as mahar. Even that is acceptable as mahar. So the man has literally nothing. He can't afford to give anything. He wants to get married. And all he can give is, you know, he has memorized the Qur'an, he has ijazah in tajweed, he says, okay, this is what I can offer. I can teach you the Qur'an and I can give you ijazah. That will be my mahar to you. You know, even if it takes 10 years to do that, I will do that. And the woman says, yes, I accept it. She's okay with it, her wali is okay with it, then that mahar is also valid. It has to be some gift that is of some value. Okay, that is of some value. Yes. I don't know. Because in the Qur'an and Sunnah, what we see is that the man has to give the mahar. The woman, yes, her parents can give her gifts at the time of her wedding. That, you know, their daughter is getting married, their only daughter, or their first daughter, or their youngest daughter, you know, whatever. They want to give her a gift. 
So let's say they give her some cash, they give her jewelry, they give her clothes, they take her shopping. They have the right to do that. The woman can bring whatever she wants to with her. People can gift her. But remember, it's not an obligation. The man on the other hand, if he doesn't give the mahar, that nikah is not valid. Okay? Mahar is a condition for nikah. Nikah is only valid when the wali is there, when the wali allows for that nikah to take place. Because remember that the uqtat nikah is not between the woman and her husband, but between the wali and the husband. Okay. So we have established that mahar is an obligation. Mahar is something that the man has to give to the woman. One more thing I want you to remember is that nikah is the contract. Okay. Nikah is the contract. It doesn't have to be written. Okay. But it is a contract that is definitely verbal for sure it's best if it's written if it's recorded and these days you have to record it okay it's a legal requirement now when nikah happens then the man and woman are technically halal for each other meaning they can live together they can have relations a woman she was previously non-mahram she had to wear hijab in front of him but no longer they are married to each other so they are mahram okay now It's quite possible that for some reason or the other, they decide that they're only going to start living together after some time. Now what is that? Consummation of marriage. Then the marriage has been consummated. It can happen immediately after the nikah. It can happen a month after. It can happen a year after. It can happen two years after. Whenever. Okay? The consummation of marriage can be deferred. But the nikah has still been done. But remember that once the marriage is consummated, then the mahar becomes wajib, meaning the man has to give the mahar to the woman. So let's say at the time of nikah, he said, Inshallah, I will give you $10,000. I'm working, I will save up. By the time you know you come to my house, I will have the money ready. He says to the father, I will have the money ready, I will give it. Right now, I don't have it. Okay? But once the marriage consummation happens, then he has to give the mahr. He cannot keep it with himself any longer. He has to give it. It becomes wajib, mandatory. But let's say, before that, he decides to divorce her. For whatever reason. Hmm? It's quite possible, right? Nikah happened. was said that, okay, we'll give the mahr later. But... They talk over the phone a few times ago, out together a few times, and the man is like, no way, we can't, this is not going to work out. And he says, before we start living together, it's best that we end it here. So in that case, does the woman get to keep the mahar? Does she not get to keep the mahar? What's happening? What's the story with the mahar? So in the following verses, we will learn about in which case of marriage and divorce does the woman keep the mahar, and how much does she keep? Okay? One case is that the marriage was, nikah was done. Okay? Mahar was fixed. Okay? And the marriage was also consummated. Mahar fixed, marriage consummated. Both done. Another case is that neither was the mahar fixed, nor was the marriage consummated. Are you paying attention? Many of you are not. And I can tell that by the fact that you're not writing. If you're not writing you're not taking this class seriously. Another case is that the mahar was fixed, but the marriage was not consummated. Another case is that the mahar was not fixed, but the marriage was consummated. So you see there are four cases. Mahar, fixed, marriage consummated. Another, mahar not fixed, 
marriage not consummated. Another, mahar fixed but marriage not consummated. Another, mahar not fixed and marriage consummated. Okay, so there are four different cases. Inshallah, we will learn about them in the verses. And if you didn't get to write all of this down, your homework is that go over these verses and find these four cases. They are actually in the verses. So you can actually learn about them from the very verses if you pay attention now.